0: Good morning, VCDC. So good to be seen by you. Uh, This morning we are filming from the youth room and behind me, this is very cool, we have what's called the Wall of Truth. Uh, Once we're back together, make sure you check it out. It is loaded with truth. This week we're going to be looking at uh, the second week of our Mad World series. We're looking at the letter of 1 Peter, written by Peter, that's the name, one of the original disciples, and he is writing to fellow believers who are scattered all over Central Asia, think uh, modern-day Turkey, and he's writing to them a letter of encouragement because these young believers are experiencing some very real struggles, some very real persecution. Eleven times in this short letter, Peter uses the word suffering, it is a theme all through the letter. And I can't think of anything that causes us to stumble in our faith, to question the, the presence and the, and the goodness of God like, uh, like suffering. Uh, when life spins out of control, sort of like what we're going through right now, our beliefs, our faith gets shaken. And hear this. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, I think that's a really good thing. Are we not discovering during this crazy time, during this pandemic, are we not discovering what we really believe about life? And more importantly, what we really believe about God. Uh, What place does God have in our lives? Is he our foundation? Is he the foundation of our lives? Or is God one of many contacts, if you will, in the phone of our lives? I remember... Uh, uh, as a kid, growing up in the church, we used to sing a song a lot. And and for different reasons, it's been going through my mind this week. And remember this song, goes like this. It goes, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And you say that a couple times. It goes into, the rains came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. And then there was a second verse that said, oh, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The rain came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the sand fell flat, and we would cheer because he made a mistake, and we were learning how to judge people. No, I'm totally joking, totally joking, but but is that not true of what's going on right now? I mean, for some of you, literally, the rains are coming down, and the floods are coming up, but what I'm getting at is, as a planet, I mean, think about this, planet Earth is being shaken right now. Planet Earth is off balance because of this pandemic. The ground is shaking with fear, with uh, confusion, with with questions. It really does feel like a world that's gone mad, a mad world. People all around us are in need of encouragement. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. And in this letter that Peter's written, he is writing to encourage suffering off-balance People and, and today he wants to teach us how to stand firm in shaky times. So we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, just a small section, verses 4 through 9, and here's what it says. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, today, from this passage, I want to answer a question How do we stand firm when the ground is shaking? And I'm going to answer it with two points. How do we stand firm? One, by remembering whose we are. And then two, remembering who we are. So number one, remembering whose we are. Now, that passage I just read from 1 Peter, uh, I don't know about you, but I think it is a very confusing passage. I mean, all this talk about stones and cornerstone and builders and, and buildings. It's like, Peter, what, like, what are you talking about there? What, what, what are you trying to tell us? And I found this to be very helpful uh, in another part of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. We're not going to go there. You can read it later today. Uh, another uh, 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 one of the key writers of the New Testament, Paul, the Apostle Paul, gives us a super helpful picture of the church. He defines the church this way: the church is one body with many parts, with Jesus as the head of that body and Paul is painting a picture that how do you define the church? The church is we are all connected to one, one another, we are one body with many parts, with Jesus the head leading this body. Well, in the passage we just read, Peter paints a different picture of the church. He says, uh, The church is like this big house, and it's a house of stone, one house with many stones with Jesus, not as the chimney, but with Jesus as the cornerstone. And just like in Paul's picture, uh, Peter speaks again, what Peter, the picture Peter's painted speaks again to connection. We're connected to each other, all these stones built into this house, but this time Jesus, he's the cornerstone, which means Jesus is the foundation of this spiritual house that God is building. Now, Obviously, we don't build houses the way they used to. Uh, The word cornerstone, it's not a word we use a lot or hear a lot. In ancient times, the cornerstone was super important. When they were going to build a house out of stone, the cornerstone was the first stone that was put in the ground. And then every other stone that that they built into that house was built in reference to that one stone, the cornerstone. Well, a helpful image for us is when you think of a house today, uh, think of the cement, the concrete uh, foundation that's poured. Uh, the foundation determines the size of the house. The foundation determines the, the design of the house. What what we are able to see uh, of the house that's above the ground, it is all built in reference to the foundation. Now, how is that imagery encouraging to the suffering, struggling uh, young believers that Peter was writing to, or how is that encouraging to us today? Well, think about this. What he's saying is, right now, we are not alone. You're not alone right now. Uh, in fact, as a church family, this is saying that we right now, I mean, this is, this is mysterious to me, but right now, we are actually connected to each other. We are a spiritual house, connected to each other, and we're connected to each other because we are connected to Jesus to the cornerstone. And with him as the cornerstone, as the foundation. That means that your life, my life, our lives are built on something, someone way bigger than us. As a follower of Jesus, your life is, not, your life is built on him. It's not built on you. And when the ground starts to shake, isn't that encouraging? Listen to this uh, from Psalm 62. It says, uh, the psalmist says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in him. He is my foundation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. In a mad world, when the ground is shaking, we find our balance by remembering whose we are. We aren't just any house. We aren't just any church. We're his house. We're his house. We're built on the foundation of him. He holds us up. He supports us. Now, that sounds nice, but how do we take that truth then and put it into action? Well, I remember when, uh, when I was younger, my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea for a couple years. We lived there for two years. And, and one of the things there that was, I, I remember, pretty common was we would have these, these earthquakes. And they wouldn't be like massive earthquakes, but, but literally, I can remember, and they were pretty common, that the whole house would shake. Like, the, the windows that we had there were slats. You'd open them up this way. And so when the house would shake, clack, 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 these, the windows would clatter. You could hear the dishes shaking, you know, clattering in the cupboards. The, the floor would shake. Sometimes it's a bizarre feeling. You'd actually feel the floor. It would, like, it would kind of roll. And when that would happen, what we were taught to do was, when the ground would shake, the first thing to do was quickly move to the strongest place of the house. And we would run, stand in a doorway. Living the Christian life, living the Christian life well, whether in shaky times or in calm times, is establishing a well-worn path to the strongest place, to the strongest one, to God. Uh, and the only way we do that is by, is by running to him over and over and over. And really, what does that look like? That's prayer. Prayer. That's how we run to God. It's talking to him. It's talking with him. It's, it's actually you know, listening to him. John 16, Jesus says this to his followers. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Church, Jesus is the precious cornerstone upon which we are being built into a spiritual house. He is the foundation, and he has overcome the world. What does that mean? That means that there's nothing the world can throw at him and as his house at us that together we can't withstand. Now, how do we stand firm? By remembering whose we are and by remembering who we are. When we as humans experience suffering, when things get shaken up in our lives, we are very quick to start questioning who we are. So much of our identity, who we think we are, is wrapped up in what we do and in what we have. And during this pandemic, either either for you or for someone close to you, um, they've lost either one, if not both of those things. I mean, people, we've lost jobs. People have lost income. People have lost Routines, we've lost plans, we've lost dreams, we've lost health, we've lost certain freedoms, we've lost access to all the things we are so used to, to, to having in our lives, and on and on. The loss of those things can create an identity tailspin. So, let me ask you some questions uh, Who defines you? Who do you let speak into your life? Whose opinion has the most weight in determining your place, your value, your purpose in the world? I mean, think about those questions. I remember years ago uh, reading an interview, I think it was ESPN magazine, uh, about an NFL football player. Remember the NFL? Remember that? But he was talking about his rookie season, and it was one of his first games uh, where he played like a beast. I mean, he had a great game. And after the game in the, in the locker room, the press were all around this young rookie, and he was super pumped up and excited. And after the media scrum left the room, an older uh, veteran, or another player, came over to this young rookie and said this to him. He said, hey, tomorrow, when you read in the paper how great you were, just remember, they don't know what they're talking about. And then in the future, when you have a bad game, and the next day you read in the paper how bad you were, Just remember, they don't know what they're talking about. Now, that's that's good advice. When it comes to defining us, no human being has the same perspective as God. When it comes to you, when it comes to me, only God knows what he's talking about. Uh, There's a wonderful psalm, uh, Psalm 139, where such beautiful language, it it talks about how God has knit us together, knit you knit me, knit us together in our mother's wombs. He made us. He made us. Nobody knows us like him. So who does he say? Who does he say that we are? 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, that is quite a list. I mean, you probably want to add that to your resume. So who does God say we are? He says, we are a chosen people. Chosen. Chosen denotes incredible value, something of incredible value to the one who has chosen that thing. So in a sense, what this is saying is God looked over all of humanity and he saw you and he said, you, I choose you. I want you, you, you know, you are my choice. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. Now, when we hear that, if you were raised in the church, like, that might stir some thoughts, but I don't think that grabs us near uh, as much as it would have grabbed or really blown the minds of the original uh, readers of what Peter wrote. Because when they hear that, right away their minds go to Jerusalem to the temple in Jerusalem, to sacred space, to a holy place, to the holy of holy place, to the presence of God place, to the keep out, uh, no entry place. See, where their minds would have gone to, priests, royal priesthood, the priests in the temple, you know, they're the ones who functioned as mediators between God and the people. Priests. Well, the priests, they were the only ones who were allowed into the very presence of God, who does God say we are? He says we are a royal priesthood. We're priests, royal priests, meaning we're sons and daughters of the king, meaning uh, with 24-7 access to the presence of God, our Father. So that says that right now, uh, nothing can separate you from his presence. You might be sitting there in your PJs drinking coffee or you know maybe you're eating some cereal right now. But what that says is uh, nothing can stop you from entering the presence of God. You are a royal priesthood. Uh, We are a holy nation, holy nation. The word holy means that we have been set apart, that we're a gathering of people that have been set apart for sacred purposes for God's sacred purposes, his plans, uh, were his special possession. And really that takes us back to the first one of being a chosen people. Like he wants you, you are precious to him. Now, as wonderful as these descriptions are of who we are, they really mean very little unless we act on them. And so I wanna talk about that by uh, using some Lion King theology Some Disney theology, if you will. Uh, If you remember the story, uh, little Simba, this young lion, is destined to be king. There is royal blood in his veins. He is heir to uh, Mufasa, his father, to his throne. And in the story, there are two key turning points which really reflect uh, turning points in our own lives. First one is this young Simba. Uh, is falsely accused, condemned by Uncle Ska. If you remember the story, if you haven't seen Lion King, how, how, how can you live? But but he's accused by his uncle and, and condemned, and because of that, young Simba flees into the wilderness. But then later on in the story, there's the next turning point. Simba's older now, and, and in this turning point, he is redeemed Meaning, or, or what happens is, this old, wise monkey named Rafiki comes and literally whacks him in the head and says, Remember who you are in the story. See, Simba had forgotten who he was. And it's the same for us. We have a very real accuser who has condemned us. And, and, and because of that, many of us, even though we have royal blood in our veins, have, are living in the wilderness. We've forgotten who we are. And so much of the work of God in a human life is uh, helping us remember who we are. Whose you think you are and who you think you are directly impact how you live your life, how you respond to suffering, to shaking. I mean, do you believe that you are standing on the unshakable, unbreakable, eternal foundation of Jesus, loved by Him, wanted by Him, precious to Him? Or are you standing on a foundation of your own performance? You're on your own. And and, and you're striving every day to prove your worth, to prove your value, and hoping that somebody notices. Well, I have good news for you today. God notices you. And he wants to help you remember who you are, uh, who he says you are. Living the Christian life, living the Christian life well is learning how to live out whose and who we are in spite of what's going on around us. And uh, we're going to spend the rest of our earthly lives Learning how to do just that. And church, I am convinced that part of what we're going through, uh, or part of what is going on in this pandemic, is we've all been dropped into an intensive class on identity. On really looking at who we think we are, and whose we think we are. And I said this in the intro, that in the time of shaking, we are discovering the place that God has in our lives. Is he the foundation of our lives, or is he one of many options in our life? And uh, during this week, as I've been uh, prepping this talk, this old quote or saying has been going through my mind, and you know this one, it goes like this, give someone a fish and you feed them for a day, teach someone to fish and you feed them for life. And here's uh, how I want to end off, Uh, and this might sound strange coming out of the mouth of a pastor. But for many of us, was our weekend gathering a place where we gathered to get a fish? But then throughout the week, we'd go about our busy schedules and not put a lot of time or energy into fishing. And by Friday, you know, getting closer to the weekend, we'd, be, we'd realize that we're getting pretty hungry, but, but we'd hold on till the weekend where we'd be given a fish again. Could it be that God has allowed for the fish market to be closed for a season so that we can learn more about fishing. Tim Keller said this, You don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. We've been given an incredible opportunity uh, to remember who and whose we are. Uh, You are chosen by God. Do you know that? You are precious to God. Do you know that? Do you live from that place? You're a, you know, we're a holy people. We've been set apart. We've been handpicked by God for his sacred plans. You're a priest, young and old. You're a priest. You don't need a mediator between you and God anymore. You have access to the very presence of God 24-7. And I'm convinced during this season he wants to teach you, he wants to teach us how to feed ourselves with the truth of of who we are and of who he is. I challenge you, church, during this time, make time every day to get alone with him. Read the Bible. Pray. Talk to God. Listen for his voice. Join in on these weekend services, all the different things we're doing when we worship together. Join in. Join a small group. Don't miss the opportunity that we've been given in this season. Okay, I want to switch gears and, and, and take some time now for ministry. So wherever you're at, uh, at home, uh, sitting on the couch, gathered as a family, wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to stop everything as much as you can. Uh, if it helps to close your eyes, open your hands, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And when I say here, I mean here, plural. We welcome you wherever we've gathered today as a church. And Jesus said about you, Holy Spirit, he said that you would help us remember. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us remember. Help us remember today whose we are and who we are. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come meet us. We welcome you. We need you. You know, I'm getting a picture right now of parents, grandparents, uh, laying hands on on their kids and their grandkids. Uh, And and I guess if your kids aren't there with you, just pray for them right now. Because the picture I have is I see us blessing our children, primarily our younger children, but our children and, and blessing the foundation that's being formed in their lives. So, Lord, I bless that. I thank you for the work, uh, the construction you're doing in the lives of our children. Lord, I bless the foundation of you that you are building. Just come close to our kids today, Lord. And, and then finally, I, you know, I am convinced that I don't know who you are or where you are. But as I've been talking, you've been stirred in your heart. And it's kind of like, man, I would, I would love to be part of that house, that spiritual house that God's building. Uh, I, like just having a better sense of whose I am and who I am. And you know, I didn't have time to go through it, but in that passage that I read, the, the, the difference between who's part of that house and who isn't part of that house it's not based on behavior. It's not based on whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're black or white, whether you're rich or poor. It has nothing to do with that. It all comes down to whether you believe in Jesus or reject Jesus. And if you're getting stirred today, the way that you can express your belief in Jesus is right now praying to him, talking to him. And so I want to pray for you. Lord, I just bless whoever that person or persons, whoever you are, uh, I just bless what God's doing in your life and that you would turn to him right now. You'd start a relationship with him uh, and just turn to him and just say yes to him. Say that you want to be part of the house that he is building. And so, so again, your prayer, your talking to him is expressing your belief and I, I bless that in you. I bless that. And, and I'll say one last thing. If, if you prayed that wherever you are, you have to let someone know. If you know people in this church, Email them, text them, let them know. Uh, Let us know at the church, info at vcdc.org, because we would love to get in touch with you. Have a wonderful week, church. Uh, Stick around, we've got some worship now, uh, and it's a great song, so fitting for what I've been saying. Uh, So enter into that. Bless you. We'll see you soon.